Welcome back to DevPro Women 2030. I'm Rebecca Root, a reporter and editorial associate here at DevX. And I'm Emma Smith. I'm also a reporter here with DevX, where I cover careers in the global development sector. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you're catching us on the fifth episode in this six-part series. Not to worry, though, you can still listen to all the previous episodes and catch up on all the great conversations we've been having with women in development. And what great conversations they have been. We've spoken to leaders, development practitioners, entrepreneurs, innovators, you name it. We've spoken to them to find out how these women progressed in their careers and what advice they might have for other women looking to follow in their footsteps. Ultimately, we've been trying to find out how the sector is changing so that we can best equip ourselves for the future. Yep, so earlier this week I spoke with Sylvia Magri, who has experience in hiring and building teams for global development projects and really knows inside out what skills are increasingly in demand throughout the sector. Yep, she's another one with an impressive resume. Right now, she's the Chief Operating Officer at ACDI VOCA, which is an economic development organization. But over the past two decades, she's had loads of different roles in recruitment, business development, leadership. Um, but all of these roles have had something to do with international development. She started out in recruitment and then worked in operational and management roles. So because of that, she really has a deep understanding of how the sector is changing um, across all different aspects, really. So from, say, funding mechanisms to partnership models. And from there, she's able to kind of dig into what skills and experience are increasingly in demand. She's also spoken at the Women Innovators and Leaders Network and so is a recognized thought leader and a mentor. So she really has progress um, and building skills and mapping out careers really at the top of her mind which is which is great so I want to hear a little bit more about what she had to say so one of the aims of this series has been to try and find out exactly what skills it is that development professionals of the future will need to succeed what are the skills that you see as being really critical for the sector's professionals in the next 10 years and how can these skills help women stand out and, and get ahead in the sector I think that there is and has been for a while an increasing need for more uh, integrated skills and a a real shift to cross-disciplinary and cross-sectoral integrated programming and objectives um, to to really meet the multidimensional impact development is trying and that as a result of that, the area of one specialty uh, is is long gone. Uh, so we're no longer looking just for an agricultural production expert, but we need somebody who's also uh, got that uh, area as well as an, an understanding of nutrition. Uh, education is no longer just about education, but entrepreneurship and workforce development. And if, if you're really going to be involved and have skills in agroforestry, you really need to understand it as it relates also to climate change adaptation. So I, you know, on the one hand, I, I see uh, an emerging need in people to, to really have broader uh, skill sets rather than just one very deep one. Um, I think also going forward, a, a, a big value is going to become from, I think, having a combination of technical expertise with the soft skills. So, for example, the hard skills of monitoring and evaluation uh, you know, need to be combined with data visualization uh, and presentation skills. Um, communication expertise has to be linked with uh, persuasive writing and, and learning facilitation. 
um, business development is linked with, with intelligence and data processing and operations and project management is now more than ever, I think, linked to creativity, adaptability, and, and really collaboration. Um, I guess finally, um, I don't think you can underestimate the value of, uh, of language skills. Um, in terms of the second part of your question about women, that's a really interesting one. I, I, I think that in our field there are kind of, and I'm of course generalizing, but three uh, distinct tracks. Um, and they're all equally important, but different people need different pieces of it at a different time. So there's, of course, our technical experts who are in high demand during implementation. They tend to be really billable on projects, and they offer, uh, you know, really quality control on the technical side. And, and there are a lot of those who are people who don't supervise people, who just go out and, 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 and do the important work that they, they do. Um, and, and those would be somebody with a capital T and maybe a smaller in some other areas. The second skill set, I think, is business development. Uh, some professionals devote their entire careers to designing projects and putting together competitive bids to donors, the private sector foundations, and, uh, and other uh, kind of technical solutions. Uh, some people mix the business development with technical, but business development in and of itself, I think, is going to continue to be important. And then there's the management skill set, where you bring excellence and execution and leadership. And in terms of, of I, th I think to be a long-term successful person uh, in, in terms of leadership, you would need all three of these to a certain degree. Uh, and that's where I think we see uh, the leadership area where we need more of that in our industry going going forward. So a lot of great examples there of, of how, you know, the, the sector is working in a kind of less siloed fashion and, and the need for more kind of integrated skills, I think you called them. Um, and as you're hiring for new roles, what are the, the kind of main skills that you see are lacking and that you've maybe encouraged young professionals to really look to, to gain those skills? Well, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a really good question. I, I think there was a report that you and, and US, uh, DevEx and USAID put together around 2018, and, and you really talked about the future of development professionals, and I really agreed with, with some of the, most of the points in that article, uh, particularly that the future belongs to communicators and collaborators. Um, uh, particularly while funding sources are moving away from the bilateral focus uh, that we've seen in the last 50 years. So while donor-funded money is definitely not disappearing, there's a movement towards public-private partnerships, corporate social responsibility focused on, I guess, sustainability, community engagement, research institutions like the labs, the innovation labs we see, and then, of course, really important, and, and we see this in the U.S. government right now with, with the new development agency, that there's all different kinds of sources of funding now in terms of blended finance and impact in investment. Um, so understanding those things is, is going to be critical. Um, and likewise, the mechanisms that we're going after to, to, to acquire this funding are much more collaborative and co-creative, and that adds a whole different dimension. Um, so I think that, you know, the, the skills that, that, that folks are going to re require uh, on the one hand are more skills and resource mobilization and partnership development. I think another one that's really important is, and it goes back to the earlier point about, you know, being broader, not just uh, deeper in one skill set, is that 
you know, the fundamental understanding of how market dynamics strengthen economic development. So, for example, we're moving away from just looking at value chains to really looking much broader at market systems, which is a much more dynamic and more facilitative approach. Um, I think the finance-related skills are also going to be something that, that, that are very important. I guess along those lines, uh, although very general, I still think it's something that, that, that's really important that we see in hiring, and that is uh, people with strong writing and critical analysis skills that, that are fundamental across all of the sectors and roles and, and development, and, and enhancing those skills through practical experience like like earning an advanced degree is is important. Um, in terms of women, because I think that was part of your your question, um, I, I think that actually negotiation skills is is one area that 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 women coming into this and other industries, frankly, really need to attain. You know, states and government organizations are looking to make a shift uh, in salaries. Um, away from asking people, as you well know, salary history, because um, women tend to not advocate for themselves and 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 end up at a, at a lower uh, a lower scale, a salary scale. I think this is really reflected in 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 women's status in the workplace. So many organizations and schools and 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 workshops are offering opportunities for staff to improve in this regard. And for example, we. We gave, uh, uh, we, we sponsored a course here at AV uh, on a women's leadership course through eCornell on negotiation because we see it as a skill set that, that women in particular need to build. So I know I know that's something I, I talk a lot about with my friends and colleagues is this, you know, how women tend to kind of shy away when it comes to promotions or talking up their own experience or, or doing salary negotiations. Um, from your experience, is this something that you've seen happening often then? And, and how can women try to avoid selling them short, themselves short in these kind of situations? Hmm, I do definitely ag agree that men more than women tend to undervalue their own contributions. And, and part of that comes from a lack of confidence. Uh, and, and, that, and that's an area I think women suffer for more than men, from my experience. Uh, and, and in fact, there there are fewer women in, in, in leadership roles in, in our industry, and and therefore there's less uh, examples or role models to, to look up to. Um, and and building that sense of confidence in oneself and others is is really critical in an organizational culture as we kind of bring women along to equal pay and equal opportunity. I think one of the things that women definitely deal with is the impact of the double bind dilemma where, you know, men who take charge and women take care. And if you look at those stereotypes, men that take charge, they're seen as strong and decisive and assertive. But women, when they take charge, are viewed as competent leaders, but they're, they're often disliked. Um, and then if you look at the stereotype that women take care, uh, they're, they're considered nurturing, emotional, communicative, but when they take care, they're often well-liked but viewed as less competent. And, and this is really a double bind that, that creates invisible barriers for women in our industry and, and others. So I, I think what's really important is that employers and organizations need to promote appreciative culture and recognize different leadership styles like feminist leadership and also recognize um, as part of their culture their high performers. Women are an integral part of any organization, and they they need to help champion the changes and promote self-confidence and assertion. And 
You know, they need to think of a promotion as any other task at work, which has its conditions, objectives, and milestones. Being persuasive and analytical and proactive, you know, are applicable to any um, work objectives, as well as getting a promotion and promoting oneself. And, and if you're not ready now for that next level, making sure you ask your employer directly, what do I need to earn it? Uh, what, what are the milestones we need to, to reach for me to get that promotion? And then you need to work on that as you would any other task at, at work. Um, you, you know, women shouldn't be thinking of, of, of these things like promotions or, or, or asking uh, or negotiating with their employers uh, as a gift. Uh, it, it's an achievement that, that, they, uh, that they need to earn and, 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 and work for that. And you mentioned leadership, which is something we've, we've spoken quite a lot about throughout the series. And as you said, there, there tends to be less female leaders in our sector. But what about even just those young women who are looking just to enter the development space and, and kind of start out their career? What are the, the obstacles that they can face? Well, in terms of entering into our field, I actually don't see as many obstacles. I mean, for example, from the places that I've worked, including ACD, ACI VOCA, uh, you know, my, my colleagues hail from a vast array of countries, backgrounds, and skill sets. And overall, we actually have more women, for example, in our headquarters workforce than men. Uh, and, and that's been my experience elsewhere. So I don't think entering as much as um, moving into leadership and, ex- and executive leadership. I think that's where, where, where the, the glass ceiling still exists. One organization where I work, all of the major departments were headed by a woman, uh, with all, almost nearly all of them reporting up to a uh, male senior uh, leader. And it took years before any women were on the executive leadership team. ACI Voca has been around for well over 50 years, and I'm the first woman in the C-suite. Um, and I was really proud when during a, a time back in 2018, we, both the chairman of our board and our interim CEO were both women, uh, which, which was pretty rare. But you know what's really interesting is these are issues that women at all levels are, are struggling with. For example, uh, Interaction holds an annual CEO conference, and they set aside an entire day for only women CEOs to connect and collaborate, and that still doesn't feel like enough time. And without fail, that one day, just in a room with 20 to 30 other CEOs, is by far the most productive and, and powerful. And, you know, if the obstacle is getting up to, to a higher level of leadership, um, we need those collaborative connecting spaces. I would add probably the best conference I've, I've been to uh, in a, that I can really recall is the one put on by Women Innovators and Leadership Network, uh, Wild, which put on a global development leadership forum uh, for the last two years, where you know a network of women leaders at all stages of their careers can connect and support each other uh, and talk about how to scale their impact uh, professionally and personally. This year's the topic of this year's is power and empowering others, and and I think that's really about helping women connect to each other. So in short, you know, you asked about obstacles to carving out a successful career. I I think that the challenges women face about power and empowerment aren't necessarily unique to this sector. Um, I would say that they may be exacerbated by the international aspects of these careers where, 
you know, we're, we're often talking about extensive travel to far away and often remote regions and cultures, and, and, and that can have different uh, impacts on women and mothers than men. So what can employers in the sector um, do then? You talked earlier about having a more kind of accommodating culture and an empowering culture. What can employers actually be doing then to help this kind of situation and help women in their careers? I think it's about making sure that the space exists for uh, whether it be through training, whether it be through uh, collaborative uh, work sessions or others, to, to really have some very clear uh, conversations about this. We, we shouldn't be, we don't need, it's not a secret. Uh, let, let's talk about what the, the different needs are and what women need to grow uh, in their careers. As I was saying, we, you know, we offered a women's leadership course to Reed Cornell that I think people have, uh, have found very useful. You know, and part of that collaborative workspace is, is, is helping women find it as well. I have um, the, the privilege of being part of a, a small group of, of, uh, of women leaders in our industry that's part of a WhatsApp group. And on that WhatsApp group, uh, very senior people last year, it was, it was absolutely fascinating. Uh, a very solid leader in our industry emailed the, the group and said, I need to, to, to ask my board for a raise for the first time in eight years, and I'm wondering if anybody on this group, anybody on this team, can um, give me any advice. And it was amazing to see how all of these other women uh, leaders really rallied to support her, provide her encouragement. They shared their stories and their techniques. And actually, it was interesting. The conversation ended up happening just by chance on equal pay day. Um, but what, it, what, what the lesson was for me, and by the way, she, she, she was successful in her ask, um, is this just reinforced the importance of helping women find ways to connect and share their experiences and techniques uh, and, and being part of a community like that can be really powerful. Sylvia, it's been great chatting with you today. I'm afraid we're, we're out of time, but thank you again so much for joining us and, and sharing your insights from your years hiring and putting teams together in the sector. Thank you. It was a privilege to participate and have a happy Thanksgiving. So great, I think, that Sylvia was able to give us so many, you know, really concrete examples of how the sector is changing and what this actually means for hiring. And I think a lot of those key skills that she highlighted, you know, the ones like creativity, collaboration, communication, there are skills that we've already mentioned or talked about throughout the series with our other speakers. Yeah, they, they definitely are. But I would say what was different about what Sylvia was saying is that so much of this series has been about what we as individuals can do to prepare ourselves for the future. Um, and we haven't really thought about what organizations can do, which is something Sylvia touched upon. And I quite like that idea of how can your workplace kind of nurture the skills that you're trying to build on, the skills that are necessary for for the future and so I kind of I just like that the onus isn't entirely on people as individuals that organizations also have a role that they should be playing in people's career progression yeah although I did love what you know she said about women working towards promotions we should just look at it like another task at work where we have objectives and we ask you know what do I need to do here and and what do I need to do to work towards this um so I think that was helpful because it's definitely something that's very daunting for a lot of us yeah it's a really one of the has to be one of the most awkward transactions or interactions there are so perhaps her advice will kind of help 
other women, I don't know, go through that process with a little bit more, a little more ease and a bit more confidence, maybe. Um, anyway, that is all we have time for for today. But thank you everyone for listening, and I hope you're going to join us in two months for our sixth and final episode in the series. And in the meantime, if you are missing our voices, which I know can happen, you can go back and listen to all of our other episodes and make sure you're up to date before our final one. You can also check out the DevPro 2030 series powered by to you at devx.com, which has loads of other content along the same, the same topic, really. You can also follow us for updates on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter using at devx and even join in the conversation using hashtag DevPro 2030.